All right. Season one, episode two, Talking Cannabis. We've got an incredible guest here, a good friend of mine, a colleague, an incredible individual, illustrious background, Jason Klimek from Boiling Code Law Firm. Jason has an awesome background in all different forms of cannabis law, and he's someone that I've really, really gravitated to in my quest to kind of spread the light about this green gold rush that is the cannabis uh, revolution that's going on all across the country and maybe even across the world. So first of all, Jason, welcome so much. Thank you for coming to Talking Cannabis. Dan, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for the introduction. I, I hope I can live up to that. Oh, you um, do already, yeah. my friend. Don't worry. Don't worry. Thank so, you. So look, here we're going to jump right in. Um, you know, I know that you are a very close colleague with a great friend of mine, Jamie Michelle Kane, who I hope you're watching. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, hashtag, um, we are really, really looking forward to our cannabis roundtable that's coming up. And uh, I, I know that you've got a lot of, 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 of interesting stories and interesting, uh, you know, wealth of knowledge on, on cannabis law in your state and others. So first of all, tell us a little bit about this, this platform that you have in terms of, of that Senate platform with, with cannabis law and reform. So, um, yeah, you know, New York is is on the verge of legalization, although honestly, we've been saying that for two years. But I, I th- this coming April with the budget, I think really is the year. Uh, there was just recently a statement from one of Governor Cuomo's um, council that they're really going to push legalization. So, you know, we're on the cusp. And then the question is, we would be you know, if nobody else legalizes between now and when New York does, we would be the 12th state, I think, to legalize. And so it's looking at what the proposals are. There's two, one from the governor, one from the legislature. And, you know, looking at the data out there, looking at Canada, looking at the other states and saying what works, what doesn't. And let's try to make this law the best law it can be to accomplish the goals of a vibrant market that, you know, doesn't fuel the illicit market, which is a big problem in some legal states. Uh, So that's that's been really the push over the last two years is talking, you know, in very great detail with the drafters of these bills and saying, hey, you know, you have this in here, but we've seen in other states how this works out. Maybe we can tweak it. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. You touch on some really great points. I know here in Michigan, you know, we've been legal for about 12 years in terms of a medicinal program. We uh, recently legalized recreational marijuana and, you know, business is booming here in Michigan on the commercial real estate front, the industrial space, the growth space and cultivation. We've got new dispensaries popping up. Um, it's very interesting. Actually, here in Michigan, you can literally go down the road. I could literally walk there from my home uh, in Ferndale, and uh, there's dispensaries where you can walk in off the street. Of course, they take a picture of your ID, cash only, all kinds of cool product. And um, with a med card or without a med card, you can buy. What's fascinating to me, Jason, is that without a med card, uh, let me go the other way. With a med card, there's a six percent sales tax. Without a med card, you're you're taxed sixteen percent. It's actually the identical product. It could be you know one guy with a card, one guy without a card. One guy's paying six percent. One guy's paying sixteen percent. Talk to me a little bit about that, and talk to me about you know marijuana taxation, cannabis taxation, and how that's gonna um, you know what the plan is in New York and elsewhere. Oh boy, you you hit one of my uh, you know pet projects in this. This is, this is my area of expertise, so I hope I don't bore anybody. But um, 
So what you're what you're saying there is a great example. Um, you know, six percent versus sixteen percent, and I'll tell you that sixteen percent. If so, I'm not familiar with all of the taxes throughout the entire supply chain in right. Michigan, um, because there's probably an excise tax up at the cultivator processor level. Yeah. Um, and so, but what you're seeing is that final, you know, somewhat equivalent of a sales tax. So New York is, is proposing, at least on the governor's side, something that combine that is very close to a California based, um, taxation scheme where it's, it's a weight based tax combined with flat taxes. So it's a, it would actually create the highest tax rate in the country, um, on cannabis. And it would be a dollar per dry weight gram of trim or sorry, a flower, 25 cents per dry weight gram of trim and 14 cents per gram of wet cannabis doesn't distinguish between uh, flour or trim. Oh, what, what, are then, the, what prices are we dealing with, by the way? Put that in context. What kind of prices are we dealing with per amount? Um, you know, we have used average wholesale pricing of around like $800 a pound um, okay. for, you know, kind of an average. It's not good. It's not bad. It's literally just average. Okay. Um and so, you know, figure uh, on, so, you know, the, on each gram, there's a, a dollar tax on, on the, the flour. Wow. So yeah, it gets very I mean, expensive. You got 454 grams in a pound. You're talking more than 50% is, that's crazy. $800 mm-hmm. a pound and $454 in tax. Gotta love yep. those legislators, man. <laughs> well, and then- there's a there's a total of 22% taxes beneath that. There's a you know you're basically going to end up paying 22% upon the final sale. So, you know, when you start combining all these taxes including margins, um, you know, profit margins for each step along the chain, you get to a product that is at least two times the price of the current illicit market. Wow. And we know that people will we'll pay a little bit more for legal product because it's regulated. It's safer yeah. than, you know, not knowing what's in it, but to ask people to pay 200% more, it's a tough ask. So that's one of the things that we've really been working with the legislature on is, you know, look, we have examples from across the country of rates from 20% to when Washington state first legalized, they had a 75% wow. rate and we know what kind of works. Yeah, that's very fascinating. And, you know, I, I know that here in Michigan, we've had a lot of changes recently. You know, it used to be very commonplace that the, the, the real setup for growing, which typically happened in residential properties. I'd, I'd have to say that I've seen probably hundreds of them, and, and they're quite fascinating, the ones that work and the ones that didn't work. Um, but but typically, you know, you've got a 72-plant grow where you've got one caregiver who then has six, you know, six patients that he's growing for. Uh, total for 72 plants. And what's fascinating is that model is being phased out, in my opinion, because now we have those Class C licenses, 1,500 plants, and they can be stacked. You know, somebody could have 3,000 or 4,500 plant grows, more industrial grows. Really, there's a push to bring cannabis cultivation out of the neighborhoods and into the, the warehouses, which is a whole nother schmooze we can talk about. But for the purposes of what I'm saying now, what, what I found fascinating, Jason, and I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with this, is that when you have 72 plants, right, and if somebody has a halfway decent grow, they'll, they'll get a pound per plant, okay, even in a basement if it's done right. And they might harvest mm-hmm. three times a year even, right? So you even call it two times a year. 
You do the math. 72 times 2 is what? 144, right? 144 pounds of marijuana, okay, of cannabis, like smokable, eatable, edible, whatever cannabis, for six people, okay? (laughs) For six people. And then you've got a system that doesn't really allow you to sell it in other ways that are legal. So you've got these people that have invested tons of time, money, and energy into their business of cultivating those 144 pounds that year. And, you know, what are they really selling? Uh, You know, a a pound per person, maybe, if that. So you're left with this black market or this gray market. And at one point, with all the dispensaries that proliferated here in Michigan, especially along 8 Mile in the border of Detroit and the other surrounding cities, you know, okay, there was gray market transactions, all kinds of stuff going on. The city came in, issued some license, basically shut down everybody who had built things up over the last 10 years. And now we're creating a new system. So it's very interesting to fine-tune what actually works, both from like a moral, ethical perspective, a legal perspective, and a business perspective. Yeah, I mean, so in New York, we we won't encounter that much of an issue, specifically what you were talking about, because our medical program is probably one of the most restrictive in the country. They licensed 10 um, medical organizations most of them being very, very highly capitalized um, uh-huh. and limited the number of dispensaries to, I think it was three dispensaries for each registered organization. So, And that's for the, the whole state? Yeah. Um, wow. You know, New York has a population of roughly about 20 million. And as of last year, I don't know the newest numbers, but as of last year, there was only 100,000 registered patients. Oh, wow. So yeah, we're, we've got half the population and probably triple or quadruple the number of cards. That's why yep. Michigan's such a lucrative market. One of the reasons. Yeah, but I, and that's why the, regu- uh, the, um, the recreational bill will, uh, will you know, revolutionize the industry. Because now when you take New York's population of 20 million add in New York's tourism population of 250 million. Yeah. Um, roughly. By the way, the that's big, the pre-COVID, uh, you know, right. numbers. Yes. COVID has thrown that all in the gutter. Um, but uh, with 10%, roughly 10% of the population consumes cannabis. So you're talking about a market that, you know, once COVID is dealt with um you're talking about a market that could that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 million um potential customers yeah that that's a huge market that's you know it is it'd be second only to california's yeah now now take a step back i know you're from new york which means that uh typically from a uh, stereotypical perspective you believe that new york is the center of the world um but uh us uh us michiganders and, and midwesterners and people outside of new york understand that there's far more to america and to the world than, than new york so my question to you is let's walk it back what about the rest of the country what's going on federally what are your thoughts on on, on the future of cannabis from a federal perspective so um i think there are actually very recently um with the talks about a new covid stimulus bill i think the house is attempting to put in some banking provisions that would at least allow uh cannabis companies to bank without federal repercussions um well really more repercussions for the banking institutions because they run afoul of the um, drug trafficking laws but um that's really about it you know you've uh, 
if you've been if you've been paying attention, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have talked about decriminalization. So really, all that's saying is that federally we won't put you in jail. Um, yeah. Still, could be a. Um, it's not technically a crime; it'd be more like a violation, but that can have a penalty associated I'm with it. I'm more concerned about the business perspective. Um, so, from the business perspective, it's kind of stalled out. Um, yeah. You know, federally, you can't do much. You're you're siloed within your state, which is both a good and bad thing. So, constitutionally, you know, if if I had a business that did something completely legal, let's say, you know, I produced widgets, whatever, I couldn't, as the state of New York, let's say. I couldn't say you can only sell widgets in New York if you produce them in New York. I can't say that. That, is, that right. violates the Constitution. Um, with cannabis, you can. because You have, you have no choice in many cases. Right. You, you cannot cross a border. If you cross a border, you violate federal law. And that's one of the things where even though the feds have kind of taken a hands-off approach to uh, states legalizing, the second you start crossing borders, the feds will step in. So that's right. – the big areas. So it gives the states um, or the businesses within those states uh, a really leg up because, you know, New York is starting to legalize. Well, in Colorado, they've been legalized for five years. For California, they've had medical for, you know, since the 90s. It's so there are huge companies out there that if it was federally legal, they could just sweep into New York. Right. And New York really couldn't do too much to um, prevent that. But with federal, with it being federally illegal, you can really favor those in-state businesses and grow them um, so that uh, they're they're able to be successful against the massive competitors. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. And you know, I it's it's controversial, but I I firmly believe that from a business perspective, we don't want federal legalization because. It's incredibly difficult. In fact, I, I challenge anybody listening or viewing to find me the, an example of one single other commodity that's illegal federally, but legal on a state level insofar as I can start a business here in Michigan that has its own closed ecosystem that can't have somebody swoop in nationally and take it over, and that can't just be replicated with the same systems and the same supply chains in a place like New York or like Colorado. So I think that presents tremendous business opportunities and advantages, and I want to challenge everybody watching this to take you know, a quick thought about that. The opportunity that we have today in the cannabis space is huge. It's been huge for a long time. It's now becoming a little bit less closeted, if you will. And, uh, you know, I had on the show in episode one, Barry Wolf, great friend, love Barry, the leader of the Wolf Pack, who sells uh, quite a few dispensaries. And he mentioned a very good point, Jason. He said that he feels that had cannabis been really um, discovered or brought out into the limelight today or a few years ago, as opposed to during, you know, like the, the, the war on drugs of the, of the 60s and 70s and, and later years, it really would be treated in a much different perspective. And I think that we need to re-examine cannabis with a different lens and, and, and demystify it and de-demonize it, if you will, because the potential that it has for this country and for entrepreneurs and for even po- potential politicians such as yourself is tremendous. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a victim of its timing. Um, you know, you could say the same thing about alcohol, that if alcohol was discovered today, I have a very strong feeling that it would never be legalized. No, um, right. So, you know, it's just a fluke of timing throughout human history of how these things developed. And then former policies um, that really came to a head during the Nixon administration when they enacted the Controlled Substances Act to target specific populations. I mean, 
ca- uh, cannabis is scheduled as a schedule one drug, meaning it has no medical value and is highly addictive and is on the same schedule as things like PCP. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just, it, it makes no sense. And we get into very weird situations where, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but like for th- there's studies showing or, you know, indicating at least that cannabis specifically THC cannabis um, might have some impact on COVID symptoms. And if that were to ever go through an FDA process, well, the question could be it can't it right now. It can't. It's a schedule one controlled substance, which is un freaking believable. Yeah. So. And we see how, like, and to your point about, um, you know, maybe the Fed shouldn't legalize. When we've seen hemp, I think that gives us kind of a model of what yes. federal legalization looks like. Yes. And insofar as when the Feds just kind of took a hands-off approach and said, "Okay, states have this research pilot program and do your thing," it was a pretty vibrant market. Now that the Feds have stepped in with USDA regulations, everybody is freaking out because the regulations are terrible. Yeah, it's crazy. I just was speaking with an owner of a company that I love and respect, Canna Comforts, and she was talking to me about you know the challenges in the hemp industry right now because of exactly what you're saying. Listen, hey, Jason, thank you so much for talking cannabis with me. I really appreciate that. You're a wealth of information. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to Jason, he can be found on LinkedIn, on social media. Uh, Jason Klimek, he's a great guy, a great resource. This has been awesome, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate that. This is Season 1, Episode 2, Talking Cannabis. Stay tuned because we have some major cannabis all-stars coming up soon. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. We'll talk cannabis soon.